Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today I have a wonderful, special, beautiful guest. You've seen her, heard her before on the podcast. I believe this is your third appearance. Yeah. Marilyn Ackerman, my wife. Marilyn is a Colorado real estate agent and an entrepreneur who last year achieved a ranking in the top 10% of the 16,000 real estate agents in Homestart Realty Group nationwide. Before being recruited by HomeSmart, she had been in the top 25% of Coldwell Banker agents in 2017. She is a certified negotiations expert, has been a real estate agent since 2011, and a landlord for over a decade where she owns and manages her own portfolio of rental properties. She also recently launched her own YouTube channel called Longmont Homes and Lifestyle by Marilyn Ackerman. That channel is about Longmont Homes for Sale, Longmont Real Estate, Living in Longmont, and Moving to Longmont. Marilyn highlights Longmont Homes for Sale along with education about the Longmont real estate market. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Lance. I'll just add a couple things to that. Yeah. So I did uh, recently get my mortgage broker's license. So I'm also doing that now. And I was in the top 1% of uh, HomeSmart agents, which was uh, 2,440 agents. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for adding that in. Two years in a row. Yeah. Two years in a row. There you go. Yeah. I was doing the one before that, right? The 10%, right? That was an old stat. Yeah. Yeah. She's just moving up, ladies and gentlemen. It's incredible. Um, you're on a rec- you're on pace for record year, right? Yeah. 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 Let's talk about maybe what's fueling that record year. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show was, uh, we talk about real estate all the time. You and I, uh, it's almost like a daily, a daily thing in our house. Right. Um, but there's been these headlines that come out. And so I want to read a couple of them to you. One headline that I have from LinkedIn here that popped up in my feed the other day is largest house price boom in decades. So we've got one side of the media kind of calling that out and then we've got another article that you shared with me housing boom is over as new home sales fall to pandemic low so everybody wants to know i want to know the listeners want to know we talk about it all the time will the housing market crash or continue to boom where are we at will the housing market crash or continue to boom Okay, there. let's talk about the factors that are playing into the worry and why people might think it might crash. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's a lot happening that is happening in a different way than has happened in the past. So, uh, for one thing, yeah, the, the housing market is soaring to new highs. So, nationwide, uh, homes are up 17% in the last year on average. And in... In Colorado, homes are up um, about 18% outside of Denver. And Colorado in general, it's 16.7%. And Denver's about 13.5%. And, th- and that's year over year, year right? Year over year. Okay. So when people start seeing these kind of meteoric rises, they think bubble. Oh, no, we're in bubble a bubble. Every We've time. seen this yep. before. And of course, it, it seems like, like it is before. Um, but uh, another fear is that there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, 
talk about the forbearance um, forbearance allowances um, ending. They ended July 31st. So that means that people cannot renew with the, the government, their government-backed loans to have forbearance on their loans anymore due to COVID-related hardships that they were experiencing. Okay, and that, and if you if you could pull the mic up a little bit closer okay. just to make sure, just get real close to that thing. When you talk about forbearance, we're talking about something separate from the eviction moratorium, yeah, right? Yeah, that's separate. Okay. I'm only mainly focusing on homeowners right now. Yeah. Yeah. So the for, forbearance was um, a program that was for homeowners who were experiencing a COVID-related hardship that they could then put about 12 months of their payments onto the end of their loan. Maybe that would be in 10, 20, or 30 years from now. So they could delay those payments. And as of July 31st, they're no longer allowed to delay those. Okay, is, and isn't the caveat, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the caveat to that is that it's not like they didn't have to make payments for 12 months and then all of a sudden it's just they start the payments up again it's whatever they delayed is due at that time right so not not all the time and okay. not, and mostly not so um we'll go over in depth let's take a deep dive into that as we get into this sure but that is causing so much panic for people thinking there's going to be this wave of foreclosures as people cannot pay like their be, mortgage payments. They, everybody thinks, boom, just going to, I mean, literally crash like we're talking about. Literally the market, literally okay. thinking the market but it's not crash. Gonna, okay. Well, I have, I have news and we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but, but those are two reasons why people might think it might be sound familiar or, you know, they might think that uh, the market would crash. And don't you think some of the other echoes of why people they they see these they see this meteoric rise that you're talking about a very hockey stick looking increase you know part is part of the echoes coming from the 2008 crash too and just that fear it's so close i would think so i mean it it, it looks the same it looks like home prices are rising very fast is it the same well it's it's very different and we can get into okay. it but let let's and let's talk about the the headline um, from CNBC. I know yeah. it's a CNBC headline. Yeah, and uh -huh. to repeat that, what it was was housing boom is over as new home sales fall to pandemic low. Maybe unpack that for us. What is that? Because yeah. there's probably, I'm sure as much as the media sucks, they get it half right. So I'm sure they are finding that home sales have fallen. But what does that exactly mean? Is it is is yeah. it actually is it is it really to the point where people are just done buying, or is there some statistic that we're missing that is really if you dig a little deeper? Right. So that is a rather frightening headline, depending on if you maybe just bought a house that could look like a frightening headline. Um, so some of the the bullet points of that are that uh, sales of new single family homes fell um, six percent below. Um, May's rate from June. Okay. Okay. So that that looks like the home prices are that that looks like home sales are falling, which they are for new homes. But um, home sales falling does not mean that home prices are falling. Okay. So now the next part of it is that new homes. Um, well, in this article, it says that new homes rose uh, 15 to 20 percent from last year. Yeah. The new home prices. Yep. So what's going on is even with those uh, increases of prices, builders are having a very hard time meeting demand. So, uh, so they're not. So what what happened? I've noticed a lot is that they've sold out of their inventory, mm -hmm. <laughs> and there are wait lists now to is, buy homes. Okay, so does that homes. does that explain why sales have went down? Because they just don't have the inventory. That's is right. it as simple as it's that? Low inventory. Okay. 
Okay. And is there is there a metric in this article? It is only new homes. It is. Sales of newly yeah, built homes. Yeah, this is about new so homes. So this isn't like existing stock or anything like no, that. No, it's not. It's not. And and it does go over why why um why it's taking a long time to regroup and get the inventory back and that's back up to where it needs to be. It's because um, a lot of there are shortages of certain materials, um, labor supply. And um, as you are well aware, and you have said in, in recent podcasts, the lumber, lumber is up, appliances are up, other materials are up, mm-hmm. such as concrete and steel. Mm-hmm. So it, it is taking, and it's up and they're in, they're in shorter supply than they were because they're in higher demand. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. So the, but the fundamentals are still there because of the demand. The demand is still there. Uh, what, what kind of demand are you seeing? Like how many people are competing for one of these new houses? Okay. It depends in the, the wildest situation, um, in areas South of Denver, beautiful, um, new suburb, suburban areas, uh, where you can get a $700,000, three bedroom, three bath house. Um, you need for many of these home builders, you need to be in a, their lottery system. So you can submit your name um, for it to be drawn out of a lottery for the chance to buy one of their homes. Mm-hmm. And you need to put down a deposit. It's, Just to be in the lottery. Uh-huh. Is it non-refundable? It's refundable, but the number is, the amount is very high, $2,500. Wow. Is what I've been seeing as a deposit. Just for the chance to be in the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and there are many builders uh, right here in Longmont and in surrounding areas where they have about, you know, seven to 12 people on a wait list for the release of each lot. So th- the demand is quite high that I'm seeing. Wow. And it wasn't, yeah. so if you scaling back to like before COVID hit and what, what, what was the average buyer to new house ratio i mean you walk in and buy it just walk in and buy it. <laughs> yeah but there wasn't this big absolutely wait list. Yeah. right yeah right yeah what is it so what is what about uh, existing homes and those sales i mean th- how does that fit into this whole narrative of sales go- is our sales going down there or are they still are they plateauing well in the denver metro area we have about two to three weeks of inventory what's the usual in, in, in what's the usual a balanced market would be six months of inventory oh my anything gosh. under six months of inventory is a seller's market so so now it's at so normally is six months 20, yeah 20 or 24 weeks yeah we're at maybe three weeks let's just give it the benefit yeah. of the doubt right um so 800 percent difference <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So very, very high demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. So does, so in your opinion then, where does the market head from here? I mean, and maybe you could talk about it in two different ways. So do you see us heading towards a crash or is it just, it sounds like all the fundamentals are there. It sounds like the supply and demand fundamentals are there. We're not getting in this situation anymore about uh, people being underqualified to buy a house. That was one of the big things, right? Oh, that's right. Right. Just uh, signature loans where you don't have to prove anything. Well, yeah, let's look, let's look at some of those fundamentals and the deep dive I was talking about is on the, uh, um, you sent over this mortgage monitor report. Is that what we're talking about next? Okay, cool. So what I'm going to do for the audience right now is I just pulled it up on my screen. I'm going to screen record. Um, and then I'll post it up on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, Marilyn sent over this, uh, May 21 report from, um, it looks like Black Knight made it. I don't know what that is. It's called Mortgage Monitor. And maybe mm-hmm. kind of point me to where we should be looking. 
Page seven. Page seven. Here we go. Okay. Great. So page seven. So this is the actual number of loans in foreclosure in in the country. And we're looking at, there's two charts here. So am I looking at the one on the left? On the Act, left. Actor forbearance plans. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Total 2,056,000 homes are in forbearance in the United States right now. Yep. Under that, it says, two lines under, the... Um, share of loans one or 3.9 percent of so so that number is 3.9 percent of all loans in the united states are in forbearance right now that seems low and it looks like it's trending down yeah it does look like it's trending down okay mm -hmm. and you would think we'd be so on i mean just speak to me like i'm five like wouldn't it shouldn't it be going up if we're really headed towards a crash or is that not one of the indicators Oh, it definitely should be going up. Of course, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one thing um, I want to show you on, we're going to go to page 10. We might come back to that page. Yeah, sure. Um, Heading over to 10 here. Okay. okay. So here, this is, so since the beginning of COVID and when uh, forbearance started being allowed, and this is the first time in history the government has granted this these forbearances. Mm -hmm. Now, um You'll see the the pie chart, and the green is 46% of those loans that went into forbearance since COVID started were removed or um, or performing or their time They're period. They're still okay. Expired. That means that means people just kept making their payments, and they use this as insurance. I see. And I do remember in about you know March April last uh, uh, 2020. That was some popular advice was just get it just in case you need sure. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, and then, so the, uh, and then there's a section of people that paid it off. So that's the gray piece of the pie and that's 18%. Paid just, off their loans. Well, you know what? They probably sold it. Uh, sold the home. That's how it counts. Looks or refinanced. On, on paper. Yeah. Yeah. They okay. could have refinanced too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then. What's really interesting is as we move to the other side of this chart, the last column. Um, on okay, the now you're side, on the right hand side. Yeah. Okay. Now there's a the the yellow um, sliver mm -hmm. says five percent, and that says delinquent. Okay. So of all of those forbearance loans, and these are of loans still in forbearance, only five percent are actually delinquent. That's incredible. So most people are actually paying on their loans so, or maybe they sold the house. So it's probably fair to say that we are not going to see this tsunami of a crash and all of a sudden this giant inventory become available and people are going to see housing prices go lower because we have this inventory, right? There's no, I mean, really, it's just not happening. It's just well, not. Here's, well, here's how it could happen. Okay. Oh, also, well, before I get into that, there's also a program from the Federal Housing Administration where if you're experiencing a COVID hardship and you're a delinquent on your loan, you can get a 0% interest loan and it only serves as a lien on your house from the federal government. So, okay. so that that's really going to bail people out who really have had a COVID hardship. So that's... And th that could, those people could be in this 5% in the yellow that we're talking about. I would about. think they would be. Yeah. 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 So like one last Band-Aid sort of to fill the gap. Yeah. Is uh, there. An incredible Jeez. loan. Yeah. Wow. And I, so I was figuring this out. What if everyone in Colorado who uh, was delinquent on their forbearance loan wanted to, uh, just got foreclosed on. What if they, they just, they couldn't even get this program for some reason. 
um, and they got foreclosed on. So um, Colorado, on average, I'm going to look up this number, because um, Colorado's pretty average for the country as far as the number of people in forbearance um, and things like that. So color, I'm going to look this up here. Okay, and keep in mind, okay, in Colorado, 37% of homes are owned outright. Okay, there's so no they're, loan. They're just paying taxes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And nationwide, I found a stat that was it was an old stat from the year 2000, but it said 30% of homes nationwide are owned so, outright. So we're above average in Colorado. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if if every home that was in uh, forbearance and delinquent uh, was foreclosed upon in Colorado, so there are 1,658, uh, 1,658,000 homes in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have the certain percent owned free and clear. Then we have people, if we have a regular percentage of people in forbearance and delinquent, and they all got foreclosed on at once, which wouldn't even happen because that takes a few months. Yeah. It would be 3,234 homes that would hit the market. Yeah. Now, do you think that would make a huge difference in our say? market? How much? 3,234 oh homes would no. hit the market. No. It won't make any I feel, difference. I feel like I could pull another number out of you. So the, if there's 3,000 that would hit the market. Yeah. Right? Instantly. Just pretend that it really would happen like that. Yeah. Right? What is the what is the average number that are even on the market usually for sales? Isn't it around that number anyway? Oh gosh, I would have to look that up. I mean, or do you remember? Do you remember that economist that we went and saw maybe three yeah, or four years Elliot ago? Eisenberg. Elliot, Elliot uh -huh. Eisenberg. Yeah, didn't he have a number where he said like the average? So in order for us to even keep up demand, and this was this was in 2018, something yeah. around there, uh -huh. or 2017, for us to even keep up with the demand as a builder, you would have to. We, we would need to put out like, I don't know, 12,000 houses per month or something like that. It was a huge number. And yeah, it was something like Much that. Much bigger than 3,000. I think that's the point. Is it's not, <sighs> it's not, that's the point we're trying to make here is that it's not going to, if, if everything went perfectly for the people who are waiting on the sidelines, thinking that they're going to save some money, they're going to be able to buy a house and be non-competitive, be less, comp much less competitive, even pre-pandemic or even pre-pre-pandemic, not going to happen. No, buyers, it's not going to happen. Homes are predicted to go up steadily um, in the next year, a couple of years. I don't think it's not going to go up 17% again. I don't think no, nobody sees that happening. But yep. to continue a steady growth of somewhere around 5% is expected. 5% oh, in price? 5% in price. Oh, that would be, and it's actually expected to be more than that. Okay. But that's a conservative estimate. Well, Zillow said 13% for oh, Colorado for the next okay. 12 months. Wow. Yeah. So, but um, it, it will, you know, so it's still going up, but it will eventually slow down. I'm just saying it's certainly not going down in price at all. So people who have just say just bought a home and maybe they paid more than the asking price, they're in the clear. It's still going up. I was hoping I would have a, so talking about kind of back to builders and this wait list that they have now, I, I didn't have time today and I apologize, but I was, there was a, I was listening to Peter Schiff yesterday, you know, I'm a big Peter Schiff fan. And one of the things he says is he was saying yesterday is he was, he's predicting that prices will still increase. He's okay. He believes that is going, that's a thing, right? Cause he, he gets the supply and demand issue. He's Austrian economics guy. That's basic economics. But one thing that he kind of threw me off, it didn't throw me off. I just wanted to pick your brain about it. And that was, he's predicting though, there will be a crash in, uh, on the builder side of things okay. because of 
like you, the things you talked about, the, the shortage of labor, the increased um, material scarcity and cost. Um, but what do you, but why would that, why do you, do you think that, do you agree with him or do you think that would not happen? Because I'm hearing that there's this crazy list and you got to pay to get on the list. Mm-hmm. Okay. The supply is very difficult. Sure. But it's, it sounds like it's only going to get worse. This demand is not going away. Okay. Well, would there be a builder crash yeah. as in builders go bankrupt? I mean, um, that they get put, yeah. they get, it basically makes it so that what he was saying is that because of the, the, because the price is going to still yeah. increase so much because of those factors. Yeah. And it's true, right? I mean, the builders mm-hmm. are not going to eat the cost of a two by four. Mm-hmm. They are going to add that to the price and then still add on their 10, 12, oh, 20. Okay. Do you know I what I'm saying? What you, I see what you mean. Well, I think, I think that there will be a trend of builders building more high end homes. Hmm for people that really maybe price is not too much of an object. And I think that's going to hurt people who are looking for the average type uh, three bedroom, two car garage home. Yeah, starter yeah. homes are kind of not there anymore, sort of thing. Right. Yeah, if you're a builder, why wouldn't you? If the, Especially if that demand is there, you would think you that would be, you'd be what you'd be reaching for anyway. So it's kind of, I think it's the perfect market for a builder. Mm-hmm. Labor shortage aside, material shortage, they'll figure it out. Yeah, and in in our uh, hundred thousand person town Longmont, uh, the one million to two million dollars segment of the market is very hot. It's, I mean, th- those home prices are selling at about one hundred eight percent of their list price, and that's that's very huge. Um, normally, normally we haven't seen so much competition in that, in that level. In that level, no. How, how long are those kind of houses on the market too? Is it also a shortened time? I mean, is it a couple no. It's weeks? exactly. It's exactly. Yeah, it's exactly the same as uh, all the houses. That you know, it's something like you know, fourteen to twenty-one days. But not Until thirty the, to sixty. No, because isn't that what we were used to before? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was. So it, yeah, it's definitely shifting. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Is there anything else from the PDF you wanted to, you wanted to talk about? I think it was very inf- helpful to kind of just have a visual look at it. I mean, I'm kind of fab- flabbergasted and blown away at these these five this five percent number. I mean, all the numbers really, especially the paid yeah. off one, and then when you unpack that and see what it really means. Yeah, that's interesting. And then the fact that you then we just took that five percent number and played the scenario out of if it was a best case worst slash worst case scenario yeah it's only three thousand homes <laughs> right right in colorado so no that that's the highlights of what i wanted to share on that pdf with you okay yeah. cool a uh, cool very cool um this is great i mean <laughs> just because i wanted to unpack this um so you did talk about how much homes are up or, or a little bit briefly but how much maybe you could dive into that a little bit more so and so, and maybe you could do it in some different categories. You know, the the one with two million. But let's say, audience, some of the audiences, they're buying houses for less than that. What are what are you seeing on the ground? Okay, so, you know what? Um, between, uh, between your three hundred fifty thousand dollar home, which is about the lowest that we go in in our market here, mm-hmm. um, up to up to the two million, it's all just everything selling for just about one hundred and six, one hundred seven, one hundred eight percent of list price and i have found doing some you know just looking real deep that uh some homes are a little you know 
um, what's the word for it? They're, they don't fit today's standards. They might have one bathroom. <laughs> so, uh, so those homes generally bring the averages down if it's just a one bath home. But uh, if it's the average home, three bedroom, two bath, you know, something around 16, 1800 square feet with a two car um, attached garage, then it's often going for about 110% of list price just because it has, it checks all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. What do you should, so if people believe every word we've said today and, okay. and, and, and to boil it down again for the audience, that would be that housing prices aren't going down anytime soon. Um, we don't see this, even if there is a crash that the media wants and, and some people want, it's a very small splash of extra inventory that's going to come in. Should people, is there any reason why people should wait to buy? No, no, not only if it's personal reasons. There's no um, just financial incentive to wait to buy. In fact, I think it's going to cost people more money. If if Zillow um, is true in their prediction of a 13% growth in the next 12 months for Colorado, why why do why would someone want to wait and pay 13% more, more for that house, same house? Yeah. In one year. With interest rates at record lows. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so let's say people heard that and they go. All right, they convinced me. I'm I'm going. I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna get into a house. Um, I'm gonna sell my house, buy a new one, whatever. What do they need to be prepared with in this kind of a crazy uh, competitive market? Well, there's some. There's how do some, you win? There's some regular ways to win, and then sometimes you need to get real creative. So the regular ways to win are to offer, say, say you know it's going to be seven or eight percent over asking price. You want to be prepared for that. To offer that amount. Uh, in cash or state that you have that in cash, be prepared to show it on a bank statement, on a, a stock market portfolio account, whatever you have, however you can val uh, document and that. They, and they need to show that right off the bat. With the offer. Because what they should be wor they're worried about is the appraisal coming in at asking instead of the 8% over, right? Yes. So they're trying to close that gap. Yes. Okay. That's called the appraisal gap coverage, right? And then uh, other other things that they can do are they can um, be the greatest buyer in the world. They can uh, they can decide to uh, they can offer to to buy a warranty for that home if it's an older home, saying that if anything breaks uh, during the time period between uh, going under contract and and purchasing that home, that they've got it taken care of with this warranty. That warranty might be to cost four hundred dollars. And that's on the buyer. Yeah, they okay. could buy that. Just just. Make it easy, right? Mm -hmm. They can make it easy for them. Um, some other things are you can double your earnest money deposit. So if you if normally we're putting down one percent, so you could double that so instead of five thousand, ten thousand. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes you look real serious. And some creative things I've been hearing of are to offer to pay for moving expenses um, for the seller. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just cash, I would imagine, right? And yeah, got, just okay. cash. Yeah. What kind of have you seen any? You've seen have you seen people do this? I haven't seen anyone pay for moving expenses. Have you heard of them? I've heard of this. What What would you say the number is for that? Oh, I I don't know. I think that's a, that's a sort of a new thing. People are just thinking of new creative ways to get their offers accepted. Wild. Yeah. Okay. But I, you know, I think um, waiving the uh, inspection is very common. Too. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that, that means that when you're buying your house, you just go take a really good look at it when you're walking around. When when you're looking at that home, take your time and wave. And if you want to waive that inspection, because what, what you're saying is, well, I can still get it inspected. 
But whatever the inspector finds, I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. What about uh, what about this? You hear these horror stories about people going to look at a house. How prepared do the people need to be in the sense of, um, do you kind of, does this need to be, how much of a priority does this need to be in your life? You know, I know some people are just, you need to be ready because I've, the stories I've heard of, hey, we, 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 are liter- we were literally in the showing. There was one day of showing. We showed up at 10. The st- showing started at 8. They already had three offers. Yeah. And you know what? And so I've been in that situation with my buyers and on the selling side where, uh, okay, so with the sellers, we always say, okay, we're going to uh, put it on the market on Thursday where you're going to accept whatever offer is the best offer on Monday at noon, something like this. And uh, then what happens, especially if the seller lives there, they get real tired of having to vacate their house and show their house. And they've got, um, say, an offer that's over the asking price a second day that it's on the market they would say hey we just want to take this we don't want to keep showing our house anymore we mm-hmm. got to get the dogs out and the kids this is clean a it up we already have what we want yep so then i got to go and i, I wrote i had already you know, written my deadline in the mls offers due monday so then i got to go and email everyone and say offers are actually due today at five you know <laughs> sorry <laughs> and I've done that on my listings and people do that all the time on their listings when my buyers are looking at listings. So you have to be prepared that that offer deadline is not written in stone at all. Just because an agent writes that in the MLS, it means almost nothing that they're going to stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a contractual point. It's just a note. Yeah. 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 Uh, is there anything? Uh, one thing I, I did want to ask you about the eviction moratorium because I, I and I know you we went into the other topics a little bit more, but before we get into that, is there is there any other thing? Is there any other thing we we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about? No, no, we're good. Okay, T- about the tell us about the eviction moratorium then. Um, so that's related to more. I mean, yes, people are you you obviously have single family homes that you rent. I have single family homes that we rent, but. Can you talk about a little bit more on the commercial side of things? So somebody who owns like multifamily apartments that we have across the street here, right? Mm. Those are rent control that's different, but a free a more free market version of that. Are do you think we're going to see mass evictions once that comes into play? Um, and then if so, are there going to be any foreclosures on the foreclosures on those properties or, or are they still covered with this stopgap? Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I can speculate for these these larger apartment complexes. Just being a landlord myself of of smaller, not you know, not a large not a large complex, but evictions are expensive. There is no guarantee that you are going to actually get your rent from that tenant. I mean, if you want to sue them for three months of rent and they don't have any money in their bank account, you're not getting anything. So it's it's a lot of the times not even worth doing for a landlord. So for that reason, I don't see that happening a whole lot. There's no real benefit in doing that eviction other than I suppose you can get the sheriff over there to haul their stuff out. And then there's also no benefit to somebody just saying, I'm not going to pay my rent, right? Because how hard is it? Because it's going to be hard. The consequence of that is it's going to be extremely hard for them to rent. Well, if and if if they're not going to pay their rent, and the landlord has to get the sheriff over there to get their stuff out. They're not getting a place again um, for seven years. Wow. I mean, unless it's like a bankruptcy. With, oh yeah, it's okay. real bad. It's going to be on their credit report um, for seven years or so. Uh, and so, 
when I've rented uh, places in the last few months here in the area, uh, for instance, for one single family home I rented, very average home, I had to turn down 59 applicants. Okay. So, so there's no chance I'm going to take someone with an eviction on their record. And I don't think that there's any chance that anyone will take someone with an eviction on the record when the rental market is so tight like that. So the rental market is also gangbusters. It's gangbusters, yeah. yeah. And do you think a lot of it is the same sort of supply and demand things that we talked about too, where, I mean, these builders can't build fast enough. They literally can't build fast enough, first of all, because of the demand. Second of all, the labor shortage, the material shortage, the regulations, all of that kind of stuff. Is that, so the fundamentals are still good there. Well, the rental market, just because we have so much um, migration into Colorado from other states, so any state that has that in, inter-country inter migration is going to be having this really hot rental market like we do, too. So, you know, with people having all this freedom with COVID of where they want to work, they're, they're yeah. migrating to sunnier places. Sure. Yeah, so, so that's affecting it. Yeah. Um, very cool, Marilyn. This has been super helpful. I've certainly learned a lot. I hope everybody else has too. And that we've busted a few of these myths um, yeah. that I think people want to latch on to. I understand it's also not the best news that they maybe want to hear um, because everybody thinks you're going to get a deal. and Everybody thinks you're going to get a deal, but you're not getting a deal. Um, one question I like to ask everybody before we kind of sign off here, and that is uh, knowing what you know now, if you go back all the way to 2011 when you first started your real estate career, what is one piece of advice you give yourself? Uh, when I started my real estate career in 2011, what would I have done differently? Um, I think that I fell a little bit of a victim to the media when mm. it was when I wanted to buy rentals and I and everything was real low. In 2012 mm -hmm. was the trough of just the lowest prices you could it imagine. It was amazing. And I got caught up in the what, what everyone was thinking that, oh, well, maybe it's going to go down even further. Oh, sure. And I, and I hesitated and I waited. And uh, I remember looking at apartments in Denver as rentals, and they doubled in six months. Holy cow. <laughs> and then and that, at that time, then I thought, still really well well that's it can't uh -huh. go up any farther yeah oh and since then it's um, just it's, just it's probably buses. tripled since then i'm i mean yeah <laughs> so i think yeah i think that i wouldn't have uh you know and i did find some voices when i was researching things just that you know that this is the lowest point sure go for it you can always find somebody to further your echo chamber but i let the doom and gloom take over yeah and miss some good opportunities yeah 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 that's great that's good uh, if people still want to hear more from you, where can they find and follow you? I've already plugged your uh, YouTube channel, but if they want to learn more about your perspective on real estate, um, tell us where they can find you. Yeah, that YouTube channel is is where it's at. So it's uh, Longmont Homes and Lifestyle. And uh, yeah, please look me up there on YouTube. Hit that like button. Smash it. That's what I've been told to say. Subscribe. Leave a comment. And uh, thanks for being on today, Marilyn. Thanks, Lance.